0: CHAPTER Two OF Wuthering Heights, by Emily Bronte. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.
1: Yesterday afternoon set in misty and cold. I had half a mind to spend it by my study fire, instead of wading through heath and mud to Wuthering Heights. On coming up from dinner, however (n.b. I dined between twelve and one o'clock—the housekeeper, a matronly lady, taken as a fixture along with the house— could not, or would not, comprehend my request that I might be served at five. On mounting the stairs with this lazy intention, and stepping into the room, I saw a servant girl on her knees, surrounded by brushes and coal scuttles, and raising an infernal dust as she extinguished the flames with heaps of cinders. This spectacle drove me back immediately. I took my hat, and after a four miles walk, arrived at Heathcliff's garden gate, just in time to escape the first feathery flakes of a snow-shower. On that bleak hilltop the earth was hard with a black frost, and the air made me shiver through every limb. Being unable to remove the chain, I jumped over, and running up the flagged causeway bordered with straggling gooseberry bushes, knocked vainly for admittance, till my knuckles tingled and the dogs howled. Wretched inmates, I ejaculated mentally. You deserve perpetual isolation from your species for your churlish inhospitality. At least I would not keep my doors barred in the daytime. I don't care. I will get in.' So resolved, I grasped the latch, and shook it vehemently. Vinegar-faced Joseph projected his head from a round window of the barn.
2: "'What are ye for?' he shouted. "'The master's down in the fold. Go round by the end of the day, if ye want to speak to him.'
1: "'Is there nobody inside to open the door?' I hallooed responsively
2: there's no but to missus and shoe not opened and ye mark ye fleesome some dins till neat. why
1: cannot you tell her who i am eh joseph
2: no name me i no hand weet muttered
1: the head vanishing the snow began to drive thickly i seized the handle to essay another trial when a young man without a coat and shouldering a pitchfork appeared in the yard behind he hailed me to follow him and after marching through a wash-house and a paved area containing a coal-shed, pump, and pigeon-cot, we at length arrived in the huge, warm, cheerful apartment where I was formerly received. It glowed delightfully in the radiance of an immense fire, compounded of coal, peat, and wood, and near the table, laid for a plentiful evening meal, I was pleased to observe the Mrs., an individual whose existence I had never previously suspected. I bowed and waited, thinking she would bid me take a seat. She looked at me, leaning back in her chair, and remained motionless and mute. "'Rough weather!' I remarked. "'I'm afraid, Mrs. Heathcliff, the door must bear the consequence of your servant's leisure attendance. I had hard work to make them hear me.' She never opened her mouth. I stared. She stared also. At any rate, she kept her eyes on me in a cool, regardless manner, exceedingly embarrassing and disagreeable.
2: "'Sit down,'
1: said the young man gruffly.
2: "'He'll be in soon.'
1: I obeyed, and hemmed, and called the villain Juno, who deigned at the second interview to move the extreme tip of her tail, in token of owning my acquaintance. "'A beautiful animal!' I commenced again. "'Do you intend parting with the little ones, madam?'
0: "'They are not mine,'
1: said the amiable hostess, more repellingly than Heathcliff himself could have replied ah your favorites are among these i continued turning to an obscure cushion full of something like cats
0: a strange choice of favorites
1: she observed scornfully unluckily it was a heap of dead rabbits i hemmed once more and drew closer to the hearth repeating my comment on the wildness of the evening
0: you should not have come out
1: she said rising and reaching from the chimney-piece two of the painted canisters her position before was sheltered from the light now i had a distinct view of her whole figure and countenance she was slender and apparently scarcely past girlhood an admirable form and the most exquisite little face that i have ever had the pleasure of beholding small features very fair flaxen ringlets or rather golden hanging loose on her delicate neck and eyes had they been agreeable in expression that would have been irresistible fortunately for my susceptible heart the only sentiment they evinced hovered between scorn and a kind of desperation, singularly unnatural to be detected there. The canisters were almost out of her reach. I made a motion to aid her. She turned upon me as a miser might turn if any one attempted to assist him in counting his gold.
0: "'I don't want your help,' she snapped. "'I can get them for myself.'
1: "'I beg your pardon,' I hastened to reply.
0: "'Were you asked to tea?'
1: she demanded, tying an apron over her neat black frock and standing with a spoonful of the leaf poised over the pot. "'I shall be glad to have a cup,' I answered.
0: "'Were you asked?'
1: she repeated. "'No,' I said, half-smiling. "'You are the proper person to ask me.' She flung the tea back, spoon and all, and resumed her chair in a pet. Her forehead corrugated, and her red underlip pushed out, like a child's ready to cry. Meanwhile the young man had slung on to his person a decidedly shabby upper garment, and, erecting himself before the blaze, looked down on me from the corner of his eyes, for all the world as if there were some mortal feud unavenged between us. I began to doubt whether he were a servant or not. His dress and speech were both rude, entirely devoid of the superiority observable in Mr. and Mrs. Heathcliff. His thick brown curls were rough and uncultivated, his whiskers encroached bearishly over his cheeks, and his hands were embrowned like those of a common labourer. Still his bearing was free almost haughty, and he showed none of a domestic's assiduity in attending on the lady of the house. In the absence of clear proofs of his condition, I deemed it best to abstain from noticing his curious conduct, and five minutes afterwards the entrance of Heathcliff relieved me, in some measure, from my uncomfortable state. "'You see, sir, I am come according to promise,' I exclaimed, assuming the cheerful, "'and I fear I shall be weather-bound for half an hour, if you can afford me shelter during that space.'
3: "'Half an hour?'
1: he said shaking the white flakes from his clothes
3: i wonder you should select the thick of a snowstorm to ramble about in do you know that you run the risk of being lost in the marshes people familiar with these moors often miss their road on such evenings and i can tell you there is no chance of a change at present
1: perhaps i can get a guide among your lads and he might stay at the grange till morning could you spare me one
3: no i could not
1: oh indeed well then i must trust to my own sagacity are you going to make the tea demanded he of the shabby coat shifting his ferocious gaze from me to the young lady
0: is he to have any
1: she asked appealing to heathcliff
3: get it ready will you
1: was the answer uttered so savagely that i started the tone in which the words were said revealed a genuine bad nature i no longer felt inclined to call heathcliff a capital fellow when the preparations were finished he invited me with
3: now sir bring forward your chair
1: and we all, including the rustic youth, drew round the table, an austere silence prevailing while we discussed our meal. I thought, if I had caused the cloud, it was my duty to make an effort to dispel it. They could not every day sit so grim and taciturn, and it was impossible, however ill-tempered they might be, that the universal scowl they wore was their every-day countenance. "'It is strange,' I began, in the interval of swallowing one cup of tea and receiving another. "'It is strange how custom can mould our tastes and ideas. "'Many could not imagine the existence of happiness "'in a life of such complete exile from the world "'as you spend, Mr. Heathcliff. "'Yet I'll venture to say that, surrounded by your family, "'and with your amiable lady as the presiding genius "'over your home and heart—'
3: "'My amiable lady!'
1: he interrupted, "'with an almost diabolical sneer on his face.
3: "'Where is she, my amiable lady?'
1: "'Mrs. Heathcliff, your wife, I mean.'
3: "'Well, yes.' oh you would intimate that her spirit has taken the post of ministering angel and guards the fortunes of wuthering heights even when her body is gone is that it
1: perceiving myself in a blunder i attempted to correct it i might have seen there was too great a disparity between the ages of the parties to make it likely that there were man and wife one was about forty a period of mental vigor at which men seldom cherish the delusion of being married for love by girls that dream is reserved for the solace of our declining years The other did not look seventeen. Then it flashed on me. The clown at my elbow, who is drinking his tea out of a basin, and eating his bread with unwashed hands, may be her husband. Heathcliff, junior, of course. Here is the consequence of being buried alive. She has thrown herself away upon that boor, from sheer ignorance that better individuals existed. A sad pity. I must beware how I cause her to regret her choice. The last reflection may seem conceited. It was not my neighbor struck me as bordering on repulsive i knew through experience that i was tolerably attractive
3: mrs heathcliff is my daughter-in-law
1: said heathcliff corroborating my surmise he turned as he spoke a peculiar look in her direction a look of hatred unless he has a most perverse set of facial muscles that will not like those of other people interpret the language of his soul ah certainly i see now you are the favored possessor of the beneficent fairy i remarked turning to my neighbor this was worse than before the youth grew crimson and clenched his fist with every appearance of a meditated assault but he seemed to recollect himself presently and smothered the storm in a brutal curse muttered on my behalf which however i took care not to notice
3: unhappy in your conjectures sir
1: observed my host
3: we neither of us have the privilege of owning your good fairy her mate is dead i said she was my daughter-in-law "'Therefore she must have married my son.'
1: "'And this young man is—'
3: "'Not my son, assuredly.'
1: Heathcliff smiled again, as if it were rather too bold a jest to attribute the paternity of that bear to him.
3: "'My name is Hareton Earnshaw,'
1: growled the other.
3: "'And I'd counsel you to respect it.'
1: "'I've shown no disrespect,' was my reply, laughing internally at the dignity with which he announced himself. He fixed his eye on me longer than I cared to return the stare, for fear I might be tempted either to box his ears, or render my hilarity audible. I began to feel unmistakably out of place in that pleasant family circle. The dismal spiritual atmosphere overcame, and more than neutralized, the glowing physical comforts round me, and I resolved to be cautious how I ventured under those rafters a third time. The business of eating being concluded, and no one uttering a word of sociable conversation, i approached a window to examine the weather a sorrowful sight i saw dark night coming down prematurely and sky and hills mingled in one bitter whirl of wind and suffocating snow i don't think it possible for me to get home now without a guide i could not help exclaiming the roads will be buried already and if they were bare i could scarcely distinguish a foot in advance
3: hareton drive those dozen sheep into the barn porch they'll be covered if left in the fold all night and put a plank before them
1: said heathcliff how must i do i continued with rising irritation there was no reply to my question and on looking round i saw only joseph bringing in a pail of porridge for the dogs and mrs heathcliff leaning over the fire diverting herself with burning a bundle of matches which had fallen from the chimney-piece as she restored the tea-canister to its place the former when he had deposited his burden, took a critical survey of the room, and in cracked tones
2: grated out, "Oh, I wonder how ye can fish and to stand there, ye idlers! Unwar when all of them's going out, but you are a out, and it's no use talking. you will never mend your ill ways, but go right to the devil like your mother afore ye."
1: I imagined for a moment that this piece of eloquence was addressed to me and sufficiently enraged, stepped towards the aged rascal with an intention of kicking him out of the door. Mrs. Heathcliff, however, checked me by her answer.
0: "'You scandalous old hypocrite,'
1: she replied,
0: "'are you not afraid of being carried away bodily whenever you mention the devil's name? I warn you to refrain from provoking me, or I'll ask your abduction as a special favour. Stop. Look here, Joseph.' she
1: continued taking a long dark book from a shelf
0: i'll show you how far i've progressed in the black art i shall soon be competent to make a clear house of it the red cow didn't die by chance and your rheumatism can hardly be reckoned among providential visitations
2: oh wicked wicked gasped the elder may the lord deliver us from evil
0: no reprobate "'You are a castaway. "'Be off, or I'll hurt you seriously. "'I'll have you all modelled in wax and clay, "'and the first who passes the limits I fix shall. "'I'll not say what he shall be done to, "'but you'll see. "'Go, I'm looking at you.'
1: The little witch put a mock malignity into her beautiful eyes, and Joseph, trembling with sincere horror, hurried out, praying and ejaculating, "'Wicked!' as he went. I thought her conduct must be prompted by a species of dreary fun, and now that we were alone, I endeavoured to interest her in my distress. Mrs. Heathcliff, I said earnestly, you must excuse me for troubling you. I presume, because, with that face, I am sure you cannot help being good-hearted. Do point out some landmarks by which I may know my way home. I have no more idea how to get there than you would have how to get to London.'
0: "'Take the road you came,'
1: she answered ensconcing herself in a chair, with a candle and the long book open before her.
0: It is brief advice, but as sound as I can give.
1: Then, if you hear of me being discovered dead in a bog, or a pit full of snow, your conscience won't whisper that it's partly your fault?
0: How so? I cannot escort you. They wouldn't let me go to the end of the garden wall.
1: You? I should be sorry to ask you to cross the threshold for my convenience, on such a night, I cried. I want you to tell me my way, not to show it or else to persuade Mr. Heathcliff to give me a guide.
0: Who? There is himself, Earnshaw, Zillah, Joseph, and I. Which would you have?
1: Are there no boys at the farm?
0: No, those are all.
1: Then it follows that I am compelled to stay.
0: That you may settle with your host. I have nothing to do with it.
3: I hope it will be a lesson to you to make no more rash journeys on these hills,
1: cried Heathcliff's stern voice from the kitchen entrance.
3: As to staying here, I don't keep accommodations for visitors. You must share a bed with Herr Tenor Joseph if you do.
1: I can sleep on a chair in this room, I replied.
3: No, no. A stranger is a stranger, be he rich or poor. It will not suit me to permit anyone the range of the place while I am off guard,
1: said the unmannerly wretch. With this insult my patience was at an end. I uttered an expression of disgust, and pushed past him into the yard, running against Earnshaw in my haste it was so dark that i could not see the means of exit and as i wandered round i heard another specimen of their civil behaviour amongst each other at first the young man appeared about to befriend me i'll go with him as far as the park he said
3: you'll go with him to hell
1: exclaimed his master or whatever relation he bore
3: and who is to look after the horses eh
0: a man's life is of more consequence than one evening's neglect of the horses somebody must go
1: murmured mrs heathcliff more kindly than i expected not at your command retorted hareton if you set store on him you'd better be quiet
0: then i hope his ghost will haunt you and i hope mr Heathcliff will never get another tenant till the grange is a ruin
2: she answered sharply "Hearken, hearken! she was cursing on em muttered joseph towards
1: whom i had been steering he sat within earshot milking the cows by the light of a lantern which I seized unceremoniously, and, calling out that I would send it back on the morrow, rushed to the nearest postern.
2: Mister, mister, he's and the lantern,' shouted the ancient, pursuing my retreat. "'He, Gnasher, he, dog, he, wolf, hold him, hold
1: him!' On opening the little door, two hairy monsters flew at my throat, bearing me down, and extinguishing the light while a mingled guffaw from Heathcliff and Hairton put the copestone on my rage and humiliation. Fortunately, the beasts seemed more bent on stretching their paws, and yawning, and flourishing their tails, than devouring me alive. But they would suffer no resurrection, and I was forced to lie till their malignant masters pleased to deliver me. Then, hatless and trembling with wrath, I ordered the miscreants to let me out, on their peril to keep me one minute longer, with several incoherent threats of retaliation that in their indefinite depths of virulency smacked of king lear the vehemence of my agitation brought on a copious bleeding at the nose and still heathcliff laughed and still i scolded i don't know what would have concluded the scene had there not been one person at hand rather more rational than myself and more benevolent than my entertainer this was zillah the stout housewife who at length issued forth to inquire into the nature of the uproar she thought that some of them had been laying violent hands on me and not daring to attack her master she turned her vocal artillery against the younger scoundrel well mr unshaw she cried
0: i wonder what shall have a gate next are we going to murder folk on our very doorstones? i see this house will never do for me well look at the poor lad he's fair choking wished wished you mightn't go on so come in and i'll cure that there now hold you still
1: With these words, she suddenly splashed a pint of icy water down my neck, and pulled me into the kitchen. Mr Heathcliff followed, his accidental merriment expiring quickly in his habitual moroseness. I was sick exceedingly, and dizzy, and faint, and thus compelled perforce to accept lodgings under his roof. He told Zilla to give me a glass of brandy, and then passed on to the inner room, while she condoled with me on my sorry predicament, and, having obeyed his orders, whereby I was somewhat revived, ushered me to bed
0: end of chapter 2